Welcome to Humble Beginnings, a podcast where we uncover the unconventional, more relatable paths to success. In this show, we'll share the stories before the C-suites, board memberships, and appointments, the stories of various upbringings, first jobs, career pivots, educational uncertainties, and more. This is the place to hear about their lives from the GovCon executives themselves. We hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to an episode of Humble Beginnings. I'm your host, Camille Tudy, and joining me today to talk about his beginning is Andy Maynard. For those in the GovCon space, we know Andy as the former chairman and CEO of Eventus Federal, but there's so much more to Andy as we will uncover. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Camille. Happy to be here. So today you are a board member, investor, and speaker. I actually looked at the most recent, you know, updates on your LinkedIn, but take us back to the very beginning. I know you went to Purdue and Northwestern, uh, which we will talk about later, but where did you grow up and what kind of upbringing did you have? Well, yeah, thanks for having me. And I, I, uh, I grew up in Michigan, uh, in, in mid-Michigan, and I uh, had a very, very nice, but very simple upbringing very humble Midwest roots. Um, I had some great opportunities afforded me by my parents, by my grandparents as well, to attend a boarding school in Northern Michigan. And that set me on a a really, really great path. It was a very uh, outdoors-based school in which you were one with the environment, out with the environment in Northern Michigan, one of the most beautiful places. So uh, I had was very, very blessed uh, to have parents and a, an extended family that really launched me on my way. What did your parents work with? My dad was uh, a lobbyist uh, for uh, various subjects for the state of Michigan, uh, lobbying uh, within the state of Michigan. And what that did uh, was my dad had an annual meeting every year, a convention in northern Michigan. And my brother and I used to have to go into, quote, training uh, for the convention. I remember it as early as like six, seven years old, simple things, how to greet people, how to shake their hand, how to uh, look them in the eye, you know, silverware, no elbows on the table, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a great training for how to interact with lawmakers and, and my dad's members. And that was really important. My mom actually went back to school uh, for accounting and she reinvented her own career. And uh, it was just nice to, they worked very, very hard uh, for my brother and and myself. So what was the first real job you had as a teenager? Well, uh, there was, of course, the famous, my famous first company, which was called Elks, which was Andy's Lawn Care Service. And there wasn't a lot of lawn care, but there was a lot of lawn mowing. And I ran that business for many years. Very, very profitable business. I loved working in the mornings uh, all over Lansing. And really, that's probably the first job I remember. But uh, through that, I got, I became a dishwasher at a restaurant. Um, But my summers were anchored uh, by working also in a cherry processing plant up in mid-Michigan. And that was uh, funny. That has continued in our family. All three of my children have worked there as well. That's kind of a rite of passage in our family. So very love being outdoors, love doing hard work, uh, loved, you know, just the whole idea of being kind of your own boss at certain times with, you know, and and that kind of got ingrained in me a little bit. 
Yeah, so you had a, a entrepreneurial spirit uh, at a very young age. What were you envisioning yourself doing in the future, future when you were that age? Well, I went to Purdue, uh, which is a great institution, but I was not an engineer like many of your other guests. I was a squarely a liberal arts major. And I, you know, back then, I think it's probably different now. Uh, you got this skill set, but there wasn't really career paths for liberal arts. But I frankly, I give liberal arts a lot of credit for what I've been able to do. It's where I learned to communicate for impact. It's where I learned to be comfortable to be around, to learn how to take advice and learn how to be super reliable. So I don't think I had much of a vision when I was started my college career. Uh, and I certainly mentor young people now where I want, I almost want them to relax a little bit, study something they love. And I think the world will present them options as it did mine. I had an, a very important internship between my junior and senior year of college. I was able to intern in Washington, D.C. for a, a titan in public relations, a woman named Sheila Tate. And she absolutely launched me for the love of both politics and public affairs. Uh, I had a client there this summer where I was able to meet the vice president of the United States, Dan Quayle at the time. And that launched me that I just had to come back to Washington. I absolutely had to be in the executive branch. And because I'm kind of this naive Midwesterner, I sort of didn't know that I was reaching maybe a little bit high, but I wrote a letter a day for over a month to Marlon Fitzwater, who was the press secretary to President Bush. And ultimately that polite persistence paid off where uh, he hired me into a volunteer slot and then ultimately full-time in his office. So I am a story of someone who probably shouldn't got gotten a job and probably was so naive that I just did it. Uh, and it really paid off for me. And Marlon ended up being a great boss and a, still to this day a friend. Really changed my life because he introduced me, of course, to President Bush, who I spent the first five years of my career with. Yeah, it's funny how when you're young, you are fearless because you don't know better. So you just decide you can go for whatever dream you have and think it's not a big deal. So I, I, I would say, Camille, though, that I do think that is indicative of some of the other guests I've heard on this. But I would say to young people, I think their generation is becoming paralyzed by fear because they have all this peer pressure around them on social media and whatnot. And we didn't have any of that. All of us just did what we had to do. And I almost want my own children, I have three boys and others to just go, no, be yourself, be persistent, go for it. And, and failure is, it doesn't even hurt then. It's just, it's almost funny uh, when people say, yeah, I'd love to hire you, but you don't have any experience. Um, but, you know, this launched, it launched so much in my life. Working for President Bush was the honor of a lifetime. He was kind. He was humble. He was so mission focused. He treated every single person the same. And for me, uh, learning those interpersonal skills, you know, I wasn't blessed with an engineering degree or, or a hard skill, uh, but I learned from him and a lot of great human beings that, you know, the power of the human relationship matters also. Uh, and, and President Bush introduced me to the mission in Somalia, where I ultimately went to a war zone and, and served our nation and like a lot of our customers. And it, it's super important to my career to see and to feel that. 
So if you reflect back, you are a kid who comes from Lansing, Michigan. You end up in Washington, D.C. All of a sudden, you're working for President Bush. Like, How did that feel? Did you ever envision that for yourself? No, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I still, to this day, I can't believe it. And uh, I just feel so fortunate that people believed in me. And uh, I, it's why I, when I give young people advice, I always say, maybe reach for something more than you can do. Be uncomfortable at work. I often say that I hope that I put people in jobs that make them so uncomfortable that they're sitting in their car, sweating, sick to their stomach, because that's what I was. I was, I, I had no formal training. And one day I was asked to be full-time in the press office. Uh, I later accompanied President Bush into private life after we lost the election. And I really had no business being there, but I think uh, what President Bush used to say about me was that I was comfortable to be around and I was super reliable. And I think if you have a, a couple of things that you're really, really good at, it differentiates you from, from other folks. And that, and that certainly was true for me. Yeah, I wanted to ask what, why you think that people were open to opening doors for you, giving you opportunities. What was it about you that they said, okay, this guy, let's give him a chance? Well, it's it's the title of the podcast. It's Humble Beginnings. I Everything in, in my life, my parents instilled on me. You write a thank you note for everything. You're polite. You do your work. You show up on time and, and 10 minutes early is probably a little bit late. And in the White House, that's just how it was. They needed reliable, hardworking people who maybe weren't asking for every other Friday off, maybe weren't asking to work from home three days a week, maybe just showed up, did their job as best they could. So I just watched how people helped me and, and had so many tremendous uh, mentors along the way. And I, I noticed a pattern that if you kind of do what you say and say what you do, people don't get that in every day of their life. So they appreciate it when they see it. And I imagine you pass on to th that to your sons as well. I try. I do my best. <laughs> I do my best with my own children, but I, uh, I hope that they will have their own mentors as well. Yeah. So at some point you are in private industry. Uh, talk to me about coming to uh, uh, the private sector after your time in the government. Sure. Um, I, and I, I listened to some, some of your other guests, too, and, and talking about key career pivots and these key moments of careers. And for me, it was a pivot that I had excelled in the executive branch. I had been part of a campaign. I had served in a war zone in Somalia. And I decided that my pivot was going to be getting an MBA. It was clear that I needed that skill. I didn't have that coming out of undergrad. And I I always respect people for taking a moment, maybe not just grabbing for degrees, but doing a little time working and see. And I was quantitatively in need of that. So getting my MBA at Northwestern, very important to my career, opened up not only another set of opportunities, but for me, it allowed me to bring different skill sets to solve problems. And that that was super important for me. So ran a number of companies ultimately um, came back to work for government after 9-11. I came back to work for George W. Bush, was one of the first employees of the Department of Homeland Security with Governor Ridge. Again, same skill set, different year. Entrepreneurial, raising your hand, I'll do it. Let me try it. When you fail, you don't pout and run to your room. You just say, let's try a different thing. And 
those those days, months, and years after 9-11, that's what we were all doing. We had a, we were unified behind a mission, and people were just working their hard, doing their best, and that that really served me well. You asked ultimately about running companies in this space, in our government contracting space, and that 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 really came to be when I left government a second time. And I just had this overwhelming urge to help lead companies, do acquisitions, be private equity back. That was the model that I leaned into and, and have learned so much uh, from. It's just incredible, incredible opportunities I've had. One of the things that I always ask about people when I, we talk about their professional careers is that, did you ever have a moment of imposter syndrome? Yeah, I I was... I, I keep coming back to a theme of being pretty naive. I didn't grow up with all these models around me that I go, oh, I want to be that person or that person. I just, my brother is pretty influential in my growth and and he was always striving and I sort of thought, oh, I guess everyone's just striving. So I think the syndrome I suffered from is just being, you know, probably always playing probably two levels above where I should have been. <laughs> and that certainly makes you work twice as hard. It probably makes you twice as humble uh, because, you know, I think about my last company, Avantis, sitting in a room there with pick any 10 people. I'm always in such awe of people's skill sets, their technical skill sets, their drive. And so for me, it's just made me appreciate those around me and really always want to operate as a team. Uh, I always consider myself just a facilitator, not a, an edict guy, just a facilitator. And, and, you know, President Bush taught me that and, and several others did as well. So my sense is that you never had a dream job. You had a dream function, right? So you might have seen yourself as, okay, this is something that I really want to do. It didn't matter. And very fo mission focused as well. Yeah. I just believe in the government market, especially just where I find myself. It's just the missions of our clients keep getting harder and harder. The government has nearly impossible tasks with really, really high expectations of the American people. And so for me, I always, having served myself, I always just knew how hard it was. And I always thought, well, we should really just not pat ourselves on the back, but really jump in and try and help them do this very, very hard task. I mean, our enemies are getting more astute. Our internal politics are more divisive. Everything is pit against, and it, it probably requires a few of us to be humble leaders and, and really just kind of throw our hat in the ring. And honestly, you could trace it back to Andy's lawn care service or, or sorting cherries during the height of the cherry season all night. Just being part of a team is where I do my best best work. So how did you end up where you are today? I mean, I probably, again, I think people have given me opportunities. Uh, Marlon Fitzwater, President Bush, uh, both private equity firms who gave me the CEO title of, of large platforms. Uh, they both gave me a chance. And I think you earn your chances. I think, sure, there's, a, there's probably a little luck that gets sprinkled in, but I think you earn luck. And I think in the end, people want to see people with a base of integrity. People want to see people who operate with two ears and one mouth, not two mouths and one ear. It, the distinction is very finite, but you know it when you see it. And so I just now believe that given this 
bedrock of good education that I had and then making the most of my opportunities and, you know, all while keeping my head on straight uh, and keeping that integrity intact. You said that you uh, talk with younger people. Do you do you mentor younger people? Yeah, actively. I'm pretty involved in my at, at Purdue and and certainly with a lot of people in our our market in government contracting. And then I tried to be a good mentor to the appropriate people at my companies. Uh, I I have watched fifty to eighty people at my last company, Avantis absolutely put them into work that was probably above them and watch them flourish. So to me, professional development, mentoring is probably the number one skill I can bring as a leader, number one. And two, it's the most enjoyable because you have that moment where someone says, I can't, I don't know how. And then a year later, you see them just absolutely crushing it. It's, I mean, what's better than that? I'm curious, what do you do for your own personal and professional development? How do you how do you actually learn new skills or how do you keep that continuous learning going? Well, I keep I try and keep my own edge by being athletic, been athletic my whole life, do a lot of sports in high school, a very broad range of sports from skiing to racket sports to golf to uh, I just love uh, being active. So that's how I try and keep my edge. Uh, as for my continuous learning, I'm kind of at a, in a geek phase. I read everything about leadership. I am immersed with my own mentors who I ask them. There's so many people in this market that ha- have helped me over 20 years. So I read everything. I listen to everything. I listen to every podcast of yours. I listen to Tim Ferriss, I listen to a lot of podcasts about leadership because I think I'm just watching our nation and what I see in a lot of our problems at the root of a lot of our problems and challenges is lack of leadership. I think leadership, being having courage, standing up, uh, making a stand, standing for something, I think those are things that I got to witness in my career uh, and I just don't think there's enough of it. So I'm a self-admitted leadership geek. Do you have any books that you would recommend? I mean, it's it's endless uh, in the books I read about leadership. Right now, I'm just in a phase where I'm studying uh, great leaders from World War II and decisions that they they had to make, uh, et cetera. So right now, I'm just in I'm reading like books, uh, just all about the end of World War II and and how that came together, both Pacific and and the Atlantic War. Yeah, I I, um, I read a lot too. I read about two to three hundred books a year. I'm I'm a <laughs> yeah. It's a it's an addiction, Andy. <laughs> it's a good addiction, though. So I'm always curious too what what other people are reading. But is there um, what going back to like the the theme of this this podcast, humble beginnings? Is there anything you can trace back to you doing as as a kid? Well, you started your own lawn care company, but is there anything that you can kind of trace back to what you did as a kid that you find yourself doing even today in terms of work? Yeah, it's a bit of what we said earlier. Um, I practiced without a net, as I know a lot of people did. There was no safety net for me. There was no backup job. There was no backup anything. I had to make it on my own. And I think when you 
operate that way and you learn that over decades, you learn to take risks. You learn to bite off more than you can chew in a career. And so I, I trace everything back to being young, uh, being away from home at a, at a high school, outdoorsy, and, and just realizing it was, I had to do it myself with a team. And, and I, I now, to this day, I, I don't even think of things as risk. I mean, when you acquire, I we acquired nine companies in my last company. I did four of them during COVID, uncertainty of interest rates. That doesn't even feel like a risk to me because I felt educated. I felt supported. I felt like I knew what I was doing. So practicing without a net and I guess advice to people is go ahead and if you find something you love, jump off, like go all in on it. And I did that in the White House. Uh, I showed up on time early every day. I crafted my own relationship with the president. And that led me to a lot of other things just by jumping in, not missing work, not saying, oh, I feel I was out late last night. I'm not going to go to work. Just just go. And and I just I really believe that now. And then, of course, you add skills along the way. I added an MBA. I added team members who I've worked with now 15 years with 100% trust. That means a lot. So uh, for me, that's, that's, that's really been the winning equation. So you had a, a lot of really good advice, actually. I wanted to ask you about for, for that kid in Michigan who, is, who has bold dreams but doesn't know where to go or where to take those bold dreams. What would you say to him or her? Where, where do you start? I mean, being fearless is easy, but it sounds easier than it is. But what, what's your advice there? My advice is to have, have mentors and ask for help. And when you ask for help, be specific. The mentors that I have and the people I mentor, I, I ask them to come in my, wherever we're meeting and be very specific. People want to help people. They just do. And so, but everyone goes, oh, I don't want to bother or you're too busy or no, no one's too busy. We will always help people. So I have a call. I have calls, multiple calls this week. People who are graduating from college right now who are saying, hey, I want to get started in Washington. What are some ideas? Well, I'm going to sit down and brainstorm with them. I don't have the answer, but I have an answer. So I always encourage people plan the work and then work the plan. If you want to do something, plan it out, write it out. And then use people and the network to work the plan. It's the people that, Camille, that come in and go, I think I want to be a beekeeper. Okay, well, I shouldn't have to tell you about that. You do the work and then I'm going to help you do it. And the people who have mentored me, they've just, they've been gold. And, and I think have mentors, be comfortable to be around, be reliable. And if you say something, actually do it. <laughs> yeah, that makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, when we hire, that's what we look for. We we look for the same things, you know, and of course we want technical talent and but we want good people. We want good teammates and we want people who when they raise their hand in a meeting and say they're going to do something, we look for them to do it. Very simple. The only thing I had to add to that was DCs. If you're in in DC and you're trying to build a career, it's such a transactional place that don't be like be shameless about networking or asking people to help you, especially if you're young, because the worst you can get is a no. That's something my dad taught me. Never be afraid to ask for something. The worst you can get is a no. Yeah, I also say with DC, I always tell people you need to be here. 
You can't sit off somewhere and dream about being here. I moved from Purdue to Washington, D.C. I had no business doing it. I didn't know where I was going to sleep. I just moved here to just get in the force field of this town. And that is what gave me opportunities. People I met at dinners, speeches I went to at think tanks. This all led to a very, uh, a very well-rounded uh, group of, of individuals who I met and who helped me. What would you say have been your biggest challenges building your career? Yeah, I mean, there's you have to become a mind reader to some degree. You have to uh, learn that people are all different. And when you walk into a room, it's why two ears is so important. I think you listen first, then talk. And I think I had it inverted earlier in my career. I felt like I was I had to do it all. And and now you know, you let the pitch come through the zone. I was a baseball player in high school. You try and hit a pitch in front of the plate, you just ground it out. If you let it come through the zone, that's when you make solid contact. So for me, inverting this and everyone's so important in this town and everyone's busy, but I, I just think I, I you, you need to start with the listen and then the action. And and I, I had that wrong for a lot of years, but I, I feel like I've gotten it right now. And you mentioned earlier that you really didn't have, you had this one career path, if you will, and you never saw yourself doing anything else. So, but if you were to, if someone said, Andy, you have to pick another career tomorrow, it doesn't matter how frivolous it might be. What would that look like? Would it be an athletic career? What would it, what would it be? Well, it, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pilot like a lot of people. I didn't know if it was a commercial pilot or a military pilot. Uh, I didn't have all the skills necessary for that. Uh, but now, if I could do anything, I'd probably be a minor league hockey owner. I love hockey. My kids all play. I play. Now I'm at a different part of my career. I'd love to just, I'd love to run a team of some kind. I, I love teams. I love betting on people, not betting like, gambling. Like I love believing in people. So it's all changed. I, I'd probably be a terrible, terrible pilot now. So why? <laughs> it's not too late. <laughs> Bad eyes. Uh, you know, I, I, I like when other people are in charge. I feel like you have, uh, you have a busy life, but what's, what are you working on now? What do you, what are you focusing on right now? And what will your focus be in the next few years? Well, I always have ideas about how to make our market better. So I never cease that. I wake up with those thoughts. So I'll always be involved in this market. But right now I'm focused on uh, my last son graduating from high school and having a good time. <laughs> Do you think, are, are your kids getting into GovCon? Uh, they have learned a lot about the market. Um, they've all interned in and around Washington. So they have they have pieces of it, but... They'll have their own path. They're very, very talented boys. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your insight, and your advice. I think it will be really helpful for younger listeners who are kind of stuck or looking for inspiration or even aspirations. So thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Humble Beginnings. Check out WashingtonExec.com to find more of our podcasts and profiles on executives. See you next time.